Hello, hello everyone. This is episode six of I'm Not Complaining. I'm just asking. I'm Heather. And I'm Kara. Welcome everyone. So today we're going to jump right in with our topic. And today's topic is all about the television channel Nickelodeon. Yes. So it was launched in 1979 and it had a multitude of different programming blocks. And those included Nick at Night, Nick Jr., Nick Tunes, Snick, which became Teen Nick. This channel was a big deal. So Nickelodeon was launched to be an all kids, all the time television network. They had procured children's programming from other places and they created some of their own. And the more speed and popularity that they uh, gained, the more original programming they were able to produce. Um, Now, if we want to talk about originality, you have to mention and talk about where Nickelodeon filmed, the studio. It was filmed Nickelodeon Studios in Florida is where it was filmed. In Orlando, Florida with a building that was very, very loudly painted Mm -hmm. and had a fountain. Which may or may not have contained green slime. And why why not? Why wouldn't it? (laughs) Why wouldn't it have green slime? Mm -hmm. Because that's what they were known for, was sliming people. And I feel like the kids of today, you know, recently, in the recent past, homemade slime was a huge thing and I feel like the kids of today thought that they invented it and when I saw that this whole craze going on homemade slime and all this stuff I was like how is that not Nickelodeon slime or Gak? The the slime that Nickelodeon had was more liquid it was like like slime a, from Slimer from or or Ghostbusters. the or the ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Yes, it was very green. It had it would. We're gonna use some big words. Would it be viscous? Ooh. That it had a liquidy elasticity. Elasticity, yeah, because they could pour it out. Yes, like out of a bucket. Yes, it it was very. Um, it, it had two feet, two feet in both worlds of a liquid and a solid. It was its own thing, man. And when someone would get slimed, yes. Looking back on in YouTube videos of classic Nickelodeon shows of when people would get slimed, it's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's not all fun and games like a glitter bomb. Which is all, which is also dangerous. I never had the pleasure of being slimed on Nickelodeon, but the facial expressions from the actors, from the participants, was disgusting. I don't think there was the excitement. There were there were a couple male actors, teenagers, that were would that would just welcome it. But I would say for the most part, the girls on the show would try to actively avoid it and get away. I I seem to remember, I don't know, can't remember where I heard it, but someone 
who had been slimed either on the awards show or um, on one of the programs, they said that the slime is extremely cold. Ew. So that added to the people's reaction of when they, when they got slimed, you would see them like tense up and like almost shiver like, huh. So, it was like so the you ice thought bucket. you it thought was like the ice at house. home. I always thought, oh, that's just because they're so surprised, or you know, you're not getting dumped on by these huge liquids every day. But no, they go, no, is it to keep the consistency that you saw? The the slime had to be kept in a very cold environment. So when it got dropped on you, it was very very cold. I was like, whew. That's no thanks. Then yeah, no thanks. Um, so I thought we'd start off with. Just to briefly say that the Nick at Night segment, uh, the time slot was from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. And it had a multitude of black and white retro situation comedies or sitcoms. So we're talking about your classics, your I Dream of Jeannie, Bewitched, The Munsters. Did I say I Love Lucy? No. The first time I ever saw I Love Lucy was on Nick at Night. And we're going to do another episode about classic uh, sitcoms. So we won't go into big depth there. But I thought that that programming block was so fantastic because for me, it was the first time I'd ever seen any of those shows. So I thought that was great. And uh, what a great time to write it for the Insomniacs. I mean, I think it was just... A great um, programming decision. Um, the next uh, 7 a.m. after they went finally hopefully went to sleep uh, 8, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. was Nick Jr. and Nick Jr. was for the really as you would suspect because of the time slot really little kids and um, some of the uh, shows for Nick Jr. We'll start with the earliest ones, was The World of David the Gnome, which was a cartoon, Eureka's Castle, which was puppets, The Sharon Lois Brom Elephant Show, which was a combination of live action, humans interacting with puppets, The Adventures of Little Koala, which was a cartoon, The Little Bits, which was a cartoon, and then of course, Blue's Kara, do you have any memory of the show, The Sharon Lois Brom Elephant Show? Do you have any memories of that? No, but I'm surprised on the list there wasn't Lamb Chops. Lamb Chops was on KPBS? I I don't think they were. Or USA? Yeah, they weren't. No? Okay, so that, when you were naming all those off, and you mentioned some elephant shows like oh is that no uh i probably am familiar with about half of the shows that you mentioned and i watch them religiously so the sharon lois brahm elephant show was in 1984 and to my memory it was you know two women and a man that to me looked like they were in their mid to late 40s and they see now I did not do extensive research on this 
because I just want to solely go on what I remember it as. And I never actually really watched that show. I only tuned in for the opening theme song. I enjoyed that and then I was out. It was too much for me. So the opening theme song was a cartoon of an elephant. And the song was talking about elephants climbing and playing on a spider web called Two Little Elephants Went Out to Play Upon a Spider's Web One Day. That has nothing to do with the show. The show's not a cartoon. There's no spiders. Are there elephants? There is. There is a person, I will assume a man because the character is very tall, but it is a person inside a fabric mascot elephant costume. Kind of like a bear in a big blue house No, no, no. Not not even near the quality? No, not near the quality at all. I mean, he was like the Michelin man painted gray. (laughs) Um, So these, these two women and this man would sing and dance with children's songs. And, um... They would usually be in a park or a forest of some kind. And I just, I was like, I'm out. I can't. So next in chronological order would be the world of the David the Gnome. Which, how cute. Uh, The theme song. As we will find in earlier television is the theme song, theme songs were, were long. I mean, five minutes was not unusual for a running time, for an opening credits theme song. And World of David and the Gnome was no exception. And it, I'm not gonna sing it for you, which you should be very grateful for, but you can Google it and I recommend you listen to it in total because it's a delight. Maybe even make it your ringtone. Oh, you never, people would hang up before it was over. They'd be like, I got other things to do. What? Correct me if I'm wrong, but was it a British show? No, I think it was from the Netherlands or from Sweden because it was all about gnomes gnomes and gnome culture, and that's where they come from. So I'm pretty sure it was created there, and then it it was brought to America and translated for our audience, yeah. But isn't Gnomeo and Juliet British? Yes, but that's... Created by the wonderful... Wonderful Elton John. So the history between the Netherlands and the British having garden gnomes is a whole story unto itself, which has its own history. Um, But the world of David the Gnome was a cartoon that focused on the real lives of gnomes and how they interact with nature. And it was just a delight. And just... If you listen to the theme song, it'll tell you everything you need to know about the show, which is there's frogs, foxes, fairy kings, birds that laugh, and fish that sing. And gnomes. And gnomes. Because every wish and dream and happy home, you will find the secret world of the gnome. Recommended. If you can find it. If you can find it, if if you can find a laser disc, of the entire catalog of David the Gnome, get it, because it's fantastic. 
Okay, we're going to jump to something that I think everybody tuning in would know, and that is Eureka's Castle. The, the joy and excitement that I have just hearing the title of Eureka's Castle. Eureka's Castle. It was a puppet yes. show. And there was a giant who had a, I believe it was a music box. Yes. And he, in the introduction, would turn the key to wind up the music box. And that would start the music for the intro of the show. And so the music box, a, music box was a castle, and that was Eureka's castle. And they lived in the castle. And Eureka was not the giant. Eureka was the name of the wizard who which, lived inside the castle. Which, if you think about magic culture, if you study that kind of a thing or are familiar with that, women are not wizards. They are witches. That's what makes her special. And that's what makes her so special. And the hair. Come on. And she she does her best. And then there's a dragon. His name is Magellan. Which is awesome. And there's all these wonderful creature characters that just daily adventures Mm -hmm. that small children would have. But just set in very funny situations. Yeah. Just very positive, cute, uh, very colorful Magellan! <laughs> and he, his tail was so large that it had a mind of its own. Which, and it would knock, it? And it would knock things over. And he would get upset at his own tail. Yes. Uh, so the other little cartoon, and I believe it was also from overseas, and then translated was The Little Bits. They are the little bits. <laughs> We're the little bits. That is the only thing I remember from that show. Again, it's just like when you hear a theme song or a commercial on the radio, a jingle. Yeah. There are things that just, you hear it once and it sticks. Yeah. I have no recollection. Are they, this is exact, this is what comes to mind. Are they M&M's? Are they no. pieces of candy? No! Are they little ants? No! Are they birds? What no. are they? What is a little bit? They're little woodland sprites. They, do, To my memory, they do not have wings. They're like in fairy lore. There's all these different, you know, echelons of different little creatures that live in the woods like gnomes. Um, but they were like, I think they were most closely related to what in mythology you would call brownies which is they're kind of they're not a gnome but they're not a fairy they're like little tiny humans um but they're magical and they live in like little mushrooms they live in the trunks of the trees they help nature and 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 they communicate with animals they fly on the backs of birds with little saddles they're just adorable is that why the youngest girl scouts are daisies and then brownies because brownies are tiny um i mean that sounds good to me i'd have i'd have to investigate we could do an entire show makes sense sure nature and such they're tiny yeah tiny little creatures that are supposed to help out the community so cute and then of course i feel like the home run 
of them all, Blue's Clues. I love Blue's Clues so much. When he gets mail or now, gets Now, who are you letter, talking about? Got to set it up Steve. a little bit. Steve, so Blue's Clues is a mixture, a, a me, media mixture. It is a, a human man who... Lives on his own. Spoiler alert, is filmed in front of a green screen so that he can interact with cartoon characters. So when you're watching it, um, it's the, he's the only human and he lives in a cartoon house and interacts with all these cartoon people, uh, cartoon characters. Um, and he owns a dog. It's a girl and her name is Blue and she is blue with blue polka dots. And it's a delight. It is so sweet. So pure. Because what is better and what relationship is more pure than a relationship of the owner and his dog? Yeah. And his puppy. That they do everything together and they've figured out how to communicate. Which I will mention, Blue does not speak. She she speaks like a dog. But she leaves clues of what she wants by leaving blue paw prints on various clues. It's like a little scavenger hunt. Yes. The fact that the storyline is so simple that it's so sweet that you don't question blue. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, of course the dog would put a paw print on this item, this item, and this item. And then... You write it and draw it in the notebook, which I am a terrible artist. I, I don't even, I don't even know why I would say I'm an artist, but there are many items that I learned how to draw based on what Steve drew in his handy dandy notebook. Like a snail, he's like, I'm just going to sketch this real quick and we're going to do a swirly and he would talk you through it. And then at the end you would figure out what the clues mean. Like the, the solution at the end of the episode. Like for just demonstrative purposes, we, like you'd have a paw print on a jar of peanut butter, a paw print on a j jar of jam, and a paw print on a loaf of bread. Oh, she wants a sandwich. That would be something like that. Yes. But the best part of the show wasn't finding the clues, wasn't writing down and drawing the clues in the notebook it was when it was mail time <laughs> because there was a little jingle and the pure joy and excitement of receiving mail that was not a bill and it was either a video clip or a letter or something like that which now as an adult you look forward to getting something in the mail that is not a bill. Whether it's your Amazon Prime box, uh, a birthday card, whatever it is. If it's not a bill and you're like, I just got a letter. I just got a letter. I just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. And it's true because most of the time when you do get a letter, there's no, there's no name on it because people forget how to fill out an address. It got to you, but who is it from? I hope they wrote a note. Just everything was so adorable. And there was all these different characters and um, he would talk to a salt and pepper shaker, Mr. Salt and Mrs. Pepper. 
and um, they eventually had a child, Paprika. Which, come on, and it was <laughs> a tiny, tiny little shaker. So small. Uh, in Magenta. The, it, Magenta was another dog friend who, as you would suspect, was pink with pink polka dots. Well, it was magenta. <laughs> as the name would suggest. Yes. And uh, outside in the sandbox, there was a shovel and pail, and their names were shovel and pail. Keeping it, keeping it simple. And I know that Steve eventually had left the show, but I appreciate the reboots so, that they had because Steve could not go on forever. No, he was he was there for a very long time and the show, you know, they were, um, it was for very little kids and kids like consistency. And so Steve would wear the exact same outfit every single episode, which was khaki pants and a long sleeve green striped shirt, pale green and dark green striped shirt. But we knew that it wasn't the same shirt and pair of pants because there was an episode that we saw Steve's closet. And it was like, where's Waldo? Where he had many, many, many green shirts Mm -hmm. and khaki pants. Mm -hmm. That was like his uniform. Yeah. And so Blue's Clues was an enormous smash hit. I mean, just out of the gate, it was popping. And the it was a co- it was a combination of so many things. Um, it was just visually it was really well done. Um, it was pep had peppy songs, very cheerful. Um, Great Steve, characters. Steve spoke directly into camera to the children at home. It was just it was very it was just very good. There's no other way around saying it. And the actor who played Steve, who I believe his name in real life is Steve. Yes was just his voice was very calm friendly and you just felt good when you were around him and just very genuine and so the the show went on for quite a long time and eventually you know the actor and everybody was like i I don't know how long we can do this you know there's only so many clues we can create and so they passed the baton to a new actor whose the character name was Joe. And so when they brought Joe in, and Joe is a very nice person. Um, he's very enthusiastic. Um, he had a similar vibe. Uh, was Joe, the character Joe to Steve, was he his brother or his cousin? I think he was his cousin. I think that in the in the, the lore universe. of um, how they introduced him, and when they made when they brought in the new actor Joe, they made a very conscious decision that Joe was going to change his wardrobe and wear something new in every episode. And we're not talking about anything crazy. I mean, it was just, it was always going to be like, you know, uh, a polo a polo shirt, but they were going to be different colors and different patterns because over the years some parents had raised issue with Nickelodeon saying that their child loved Steve so much that the child would only wear green and would have a fit if the parent at home would try to put them in any other different color to create kind of an obsession with that 
So, I, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. But, I mean, it's fine. You, so, when they brought in, in the new guy, they had made a conscious decision to try to help people out and you know, change his, uh, what he wore and just change things up and try. You know, everything doesn't have to be the same every single day. Which, that's fine. You don't have fine. to be OCD. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see their point. And then they brought in another guy. Well, then they can't, you know, the show ended. And I don't know how long it was off the air. Would it be a stretch to say 10 years? I don't think so. So they, they earlier this year or last year, they announced that they were going to relaunch Blue's Clues. So the new version of Blue's Clues is called Blue's Clues and You. And the new, fr- new human friend, his name is Josh. The announcement came with a photo Mm -hmm. of all three male leads. Which, what a a great um, decision to bring them all in for the first episode. Because, you know, people might be listening to this who don't necessarily have a connection to this show. And they'll be like, this is so stupid. Who cares? It was just a dumb kids show. And it was... And it was off the air for 10 years. Why is this a big deal? Well, first off, the show, the original show ran for 10 years and with, with Steve and then with the new Joe. That's a long time for little kids. And they're rebooting the show for the generation that watched Blue's Clues when it came out. So, and now they have kids. Right. So now they can share with their kids mm-hmm. all three mm-hmm. series uh I, I it's such a great show and it's, i and yeah. i i avoid the obvious which is blue is at this point is like a 25 year old dog <laughs> but if we're talking about in the nick jr universe mm-hmm. blue is more than just a dog mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's so great because blue is the constant. Mm-hmm. And the joy that blue and this new character, Josh, Josh. brings. And he's got the wholesome He's look. so great. Nick Jr. posted... Um, a little video to introduce, you know, the relaunch with, as you said, the original Steve, the original Joe, and then introducing us to the new Josh. And he's, he's something really special. The way he talks, very genuine. And his energy is so sweet. And I was, I'll admit, I cried. I cried when I watched the video. I really did. It just hit me so sweet. And I I think they did a great job, and I applaud them. Good job, guys. So check out the new reboot, Blues and Friends? Blues, Clues, and You. Oh, Blues, Clues, and You. So now we're going to jump to Nickelodeon Nicktoons. So Nicktoons were the creation and created for Nickelodeon. They created these cartoons. And the first ones that they created 
were Doug, the Rugrats, and Ren and Stimpy. I mean, come on with Doug. Quail Man, Patty Mayonnaise. His friend was Skeeter. Skeeter. <laughs> he always honked for some reason. I don't know what why. What was the name of the evil character that had the leather jacket? Roger Klotz. And he wore a leather jacket. He had, like, combed over yeah. slicked hair. Yeah. And he just, you, he had a face that you just wanted to punch. And he wore, he wore a leather jacket. He wore boots. He was he's like the, the tough guy. Yes. Yes. And, and Doug had a dog named Porkchop. <laughs> yes. And he, so his name is Doug Funny. And he's 11 years old. And he keeps a journal. And every episode would begin or end with him in his room writing in his journal. Hey, journal. It's me, Doug. And then he'd talk about what happened that day. Are you sure he was supposed to be 11? Because some of the problems that they tackled was like high school age. I would assume that he was like 16. Well, so that's the interesting thing. So when the show started, he was 11 years old. Oh. And everyone remember out there, this is a cartoon. Um, so he's 11 years old. So over the course of time, he grew in age. Unlike the Simpsons, where everybody stays like in the third grade. Right. For uh, 30 years. And there are also two versions of Doug. Um, there's the original version, and then it got sold to Disney. Disney bought the character Doug, and they did an entire new series. Um, and that he, would make and he, sense. And he was older. That would make sense. So. But... Quail man. His alter ego. He would. The underwear on his head with a belt. <laughs> no, no. He, he wore a belt on his head and underwear outside of his pants. Oh, he didn't wear underwear on his head? No, he oh, had some dignity. Too much. Too much. <laughs> but he did play the banjo. Hey. Unique talents. Um, the Rugrats. <sighs> Come on. Rugrats was great and the opening credits was a little tune but it was like played on a child's piano. Uh, key, piano or xylophone and it was so cute and so the basic nutshell of Rugrats is it is a cartoon telling about the world from a baby's point of view and so the main character it, the main character is Tommy, Correct. and his best friend is Chucky, who yes. has red hair and glasses. They have a, a tw twins, who are their friends, named Phil and Lil. Philip and Lillian. And an older girl, whose name is Angelica. Which, wasn't Angelica Tommy's older sister? No, Angelica was... The babysitter? No, so Tommy is a baby, and he has a mom and dad. Which I appreciate the parents are significantly larger than the babies because, like you said, it's from the perspective of a baby. Yes, so everything's a worm's eye view. Everybody looks so tall. The furniture, the cars, when <clears throat> they go to the pizza place. Yeah, so Angelica is Tommy's cousin. 
Got it. So they're cousins. And I remember Angelica had a Barbie that had hair that was missing. Her name was Cynthia, yes. And uh, Reptar? Reptar is a Godzilla-like character who is it's their favorite television show. Which, why wouldn't it be? And they would make fun of commercialism, so they'd have Reptar cereal and Reptar granola bars and all these kinds of things. It was such a great show because the interactions between all the characters and they're called Rugrats because they would sit them all together and they would have Well, yeah, it's a, it's a slang a slang term for babies. Right. It's great. The sandbox, the slide, car seat. So many of the episodes were based on the, the kids trying to figure out just ordinary, everyday life things that you might, as an adult, you might take for granted. Like, um like one of the things where they were imagining what their parents did for jobs and I remember Chucky said that his dad the only thing he knew about his dad was that he left the house and went to a big building and pushed paper and they go what does that mean and he goes I don't know I assume that there's a room full of loose paper and they give him a broom and he shoves it around which which means like he was an accountant or something like that um something to do with you know or or human resources where he had to fill out paper but of course it's their baby they don't understand what that is and the other one was i know that my dad leaves with a briefcase yeah what's in the briefcase and then they'd like try to think of what might be in there um so it was just it was great cynthia's mom was a lawyer. And she had the cell phone, the old-timey giant flip phone mm -hmm. with a high ponytail, which I, I know that a lot of you are familiar with how tight I wear my high ponies. That, I aspire to be Cynthia's mom. The, just the tension <laughs> that she wore those ponytails because she meant business with her with her pearls, her pearl earrings, and that high ponytail. Yes. And that flip phone was always charged. Yes. Always on point. She was great. She was making the deals. She was. Was she a single mom? No, no, no. That's no. Tommy's, that's right. Her husband, the dad's brother, he was an accountant. He did taxes. Um, so they're a power couple, totally. So. Some of you might be like, well, when are we going to talk about Ren and Stimpy? Um, I hate to break it to you, I never watched that show. I don't think we were allowed to. No. Just not into it. At all. I mean, I'm sure there are girls that like Ren and Stimpy and enjoyed it very much and thought it was hilarious. Um, was but it for us? It was just not for me. It was very harsh, I'll say. Just the animation. Um, the bulging eyes. It was gross. The screaming. It was just not, I was not down. I, I don't think I was allowed to watch it, just like how I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. Yeah. When Until I was older. Yeah. So around that same time was Rocco's Modern Life. Which was great. Which was, again, I only watched it for the th opening theme by the B-52s. Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. So he was... Rocco was like a dingo dog. It was a very odd universe, Rocco's modern life. It almost was like him going down a wormhole. Alternate universe. So it was a universe where a 
animals wore shoes and clothing and drove cars and had jobs and talked. I just, I was like, I'm here for the song and I'm out. Soon after was, ah, real monsters. I don't know if you remember that one. Yes, I do because I, I explicitly remember a monster that had his eyeballs in his hands up over his head yes. with hairy armpits. As this title would suggest, they were monsters who were in the real world, a cartoon, and they would like live in the sewer, they would live underground, they would live in places where you th would think to find monsters, and they'd just have daily issues and think problems they had to solve, and yeah. Which, who knew that monsters had so many problems? Yeah. It was a strange show, but I enjoyed it. I don't remember specific storylines but i just the monster with the eyeballs in the hands which with the hairy armpits i'm pretty sure that was before the movie pan's labyrinth i don't know but who's to say who's to say uh next next show i have is hey arnold football head with a tiny hat just a bunch of ragtag friends yeah in elementary uh, school I, i'm not sure if he wore a kilt or not that okay so that's so funny because that's one of the things that was trending a little while ago was they had a picture of the character arnold from hey arnold and he as you said he had a very large head like a football uh, a v-neck sweater yes with uh, a dress shirt collar poking from the top skinny little legs as you said perhaps a kilt i believe one of the artists who drew on that show like made a statement or something all these years later and said you know i never said anything but it's not a kilt that's just the extension of his shirt poking out from the bottom of his sweater wow like a layering piece yeah and i was like i thousand percent thought it was a kilt this whole time and I was like wow what a brave kid to be wearing a kilt for no reason and why not it's you know the 90s it, he could be into Kurt Cobain he could yeah. be into the grunge scene it's okay but that yeah and they said no his skinny little legs were um those were pants that he was wearing pants he was just wearing I he like the artist was like I had no idea people thought it was a kilt but that's what happens when you have the internet and people can comment on things. <laughs> um, and then... That's what you get for Throwback Thursdays. And then here it comes, the Angry Beavers. Heather and I watched Angry Beavers religiously. And there are t times, multiple times throughout the week, sometimes... It happens on the daily where something will happen and we'll turn and look to each other and a quote from Angry Beavers will come out because the horn section, again, in the intro, the theme song, it was like a variety show the horns. The the opening credits for the Angry Beavers cartoon show was uh, very much a Spanish flea, big band horn. Like the match game. Yeah. 
Herb Alpert is the name of the band leader who did Spanish Flea and uh, songs of that kind that they would use for the opening of the dating game um, in the 70s. But um, yeah, big, big uh, brass section of horns and trumpets and things. And that was the vibe of the opening credits of and, Angry Beavers. And in the opening credits, when it would go to different animation, there were horns that came out to blow into the next scene. Yeah. It was based on two brothers. They were beavers. One was a blonde beaver, and his name was Norbert. And there was a brown beaver, and his name was Daggett. And Norbert the blonde thought himself to be smarter because he was older. And Daggett would get very easily frustrated. It sounds like Heather and I. <laughs> I think that's why we enjoyed it so much because Heather is older and she's the smarter one and I'm the younger one and get easily frustrated and when I get frustrated I break things. And so they would they lived in a dam um, on the river and then they would interact with other woodland creatures. Even though they lived in nature inside the dam it was like a house. They had TV, they had a refrigerator, etc, etc. So they were modern. And these modern beavers would go on adventures and my favorite episode was when they were digging and they had like bobcats, I think, <laughs> shovels, like backhoes and stuff. And the, the, the best thing is the shock of who knew the lost city of Atlantis was buried in our backyard. <laughs> so great and then the then one episode um the blonde um norbert befriend found a tree stump and drew a face on it and decided it was his best friend he he the younger brother daggett was very annoyed because he wasn't part of the conversation and so that was a problem and then one of the uh friends they had was a really big bear and he he spoke his speaking voice was like Barry White yes. and he would sing on occasion yes and they also had a friend who was a little tiny mouse whose name was Trucky because he drove a big rig it's brilliant the catchphrase from Daggett was that was nuts <laughs> but they were great and then one episode uh their parents dropped off their little sisters yes. and to to babysit and the little sisters were like little tiny clones of them and they were fighting over a doll or something and i remember that the one takes the doll away and you're in a little high-pitched voice they go they go she goes you can you can just look at it you can't hold it but you can look and then the other little Luke, I'm looking. <laughs> Which is kind of like, you know, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Look, I'm not touching you. It was so great because it was so nutty and entertaining. At the end of the day, as much as they drove each other insane, they got along and they yeah. still and they just lived together in that in their house in their dam and it, I love that show so it's much. It's so cute. And then coming onto the scene, SpongeBob SquarePants. What a great song as the introduction. Yep. And it's a pirate 
it's a it's a pirate painting with the mouth like kind of like a Conan O'Brien yeah. sketch. Ooh. <laughs> SpongeBob lives in a pineapple under the sea. Patrick Starfish is his best friend and he lives literally under a rock. And next door to SpongeBob's pineapple is an Easter Island head. Oh, and that's, that's where Oh, that's Squidward. Yes. Okay. And I love that it's, he's square pants because he is a sponge and sponges are square. And he works at the Krabby Patty. Which is a restaurant, um, fast food restaurant. Owned by Mr. Crab. Who is a crab. Who loves money. Yes. Uh, then there's Plankton. Yeah, who is the arch nemesis of. Always trying to steal the formula. For the Krabby Patty. Yes, because he runs a different restaurant called the Chum Bucket. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and then there is Pearl. Who's the daughter of Mr. Krabs. And she is a whale. Sandy Squirrel. Who's a scientist. So she lives in an underwater dome that has oxygen and, you know, grass and plant life. So she can live a normal squirrel a life. So she can live a normal squirrel life. And then when she wants to go out and about, she wears a diving suit with a helmet so that she could survive. And then there's the teacher that is a pufferfish. Yes. And she teaches boat school. Yes, which is the equivalent of driving a car. My favorite episode of SpongeBob is the Muscle Beach. <laughs> when he gets inflatable muscle arms. And of course, over the course of the episode, they pop and deflate. Yes. And... It's hilarious because it's supposed to be like Muscle Beach. Uh, Venice Beach. Venice Beach. And going to the competition wearing the Speedo. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. And then we have the Fairly Odd Parents. Great opening theme song. And, and a great storyline. Very wacky. Um, it follows Timmy Turner, who is a young boy who is befriended by fair, fairy godparents. So instead of a fairy godmother from fairy tales, they, he got fair, fairy godparents because they're a husband and wife team. The wife is the smart one. The uh, husband is uh, silly. But to be fair, they're both really silly. Um, she just happens to be a little bit smarter and better at magic. But they both possess magic. And, and know-how. And wands. So her name is Wanda. His name is Cosmo. They're very, very tiny, and they have little wings, and they float and possess magic. I love Timmy so much with that hat. He dresses in a pink shirt and a tiny pink hat. Which, how brave. <laughs> yeah. Wearing pink. So he goes through his normal day-to-day -day life, you know, being in elementary school, and has all the normal problems of bullies, um, girls that he likes, where to sit in the lunchroom, all those normal day-to-day -day things, which of course feel like huge and enormous problems. And um, his fairy godparents try to help him out, which sometimes they just make things worse. And then of course hilarity ensues. Because they take Timmy's wishes literally. Yes. 
of exactly to the word of what he's asking for, which is not what he in fact wanted. And then the rest of the episode is about fixing yes what the fairy godparents did. Yes, and then there, his arch nemesis is one of his teachers at school, who is a. Is he a gym teacher? No, he's like a science teacher or something, and he's spent his entire life studying the mythology of god fairy godparents and no one believes him that they exist and so one day he's able to see timmy has them and tries for the rest of his life to prove and capture the little fairies and keep them for himself so he can have wishes so that's also a storyline that gets thrown in there when he he shows up and tries to steal the fairies and then sometimes we get to go into the fairy world, which is up in the clouds, and see all the different kinds of fairies that exist and what their different jobs are. It's just cute. It was a little manic. There was some screaming, um, big noises, explosions. But it was a, a very entertaining show. And by the way, they actually made a live-action version, a very special movie version, one time only, of... A fairy odd, fairly odd parents called Grow Up Timmy, Timmy Turner, and it starred the actor from Drake and Josh. Drake Bell played the real life Timmy Turner, and I watched that movie when it came out. And I gotta tell you guys, he did a fantastic job. It was all about telling kids how to become an adult, and I gotta tell you, it was. It was worth it. It was. They did a great job, and I would recommend you watch it if you're so inclined. And Drake Bell was on a very successful Nick show, Drake and Josh. Yes, and no, live action, live action sitcom. And there are three. Sh there's there's Drake and Josh. They have a, a, a younger sister. Named Carly, which then had her own show called iCarly, which is a, a web cam mm -hmm. show. There was a third show, Victorious. Now, Drake and Josh, the sketch comedy that came from those two, which also came from the show, uh, the Amanda Bynes show. Mm. They were guest characters and guest actors on the Amanda show, then they got Drake and Josh, and and Drake Bell was an actual musician, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he wrote and played the actual intro to Drake and Josh. Oh, maybe. And he's now a very successful musician, which... Shout out to Drake Bell. I mean, good for him. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. But that was a very cute show. And I remember that they worked in a movie theater. That was their after school job. Yes. At the concession stand. And the 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 antics that the brothers would get into, which Drake, of course, is playing like the heartthrob, popular and his his roulette wheel of girlfriends that he would have on the show and then josh was like the sweet kind of josh is trying to give advice to drake 
and be like, hey, man, you got to cool it. Uh, but they would get into all sorts of adventures. And I thought that show was fantastic. Yes. And, and when you talk about the Amanda show, the that was a spinoff of all that. Which was a kid's version of Saturday Night Live. Yes. And where uh, we got Kenan Thompson. Yes. And Kenan Thompson... <laughs> His best character on all that was when he was in a bathtub. And speaking French. And speaking French. Which, he wasn't really speaking French, but he tried. <laughs> um, and then but that was a, a very, there's a very cute show. Um, just all these little, like you said, s- sketches for kids. And the, one of the sketches I remember pretty much involved the whole cast the whole cast worked in a retail store and that spoke to me because we ourselves grew up in retail so Behind i the so i was all in so anyway so the entire cast is dressed in like these business suits because they want to look very professional while they're at work and the name of the store is we have pants that's the name of the shop so there's 10 employees and no customers and a customer comes in and wants to buy a pair of pants and all of the employees just descend upon the the one person because it's the only thing they have to do and so they're all asking him questions and everything like that and the guy's like I just I just need a pair of pants a size 32 or whatever you know he says the the waist and the length and the color that he wants and so the cast ushers him over <clears throat> to the rack where the pants are and that is where you find out the store has one singular pair of pants and the customer is outraged because they, it's not his size and it's not the color he wants he goes how could you have a shop that says we have pants when you only have one pair and they go well that's what you call pants. Whether it's you have one or many, they're called pants. And this skit went on forever. And so what eventually happens is one of the employees gets fired because he like shoved over, he broke something while trying to get, go in the panic to get the customer. So he gets fired and he's all angry. And he goes, and he storms out and they comes right back in. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to buy him. And everybody's like, buy what he's i'm gonna buy the pants and they're like you can't do that he's watch me and he pulls out cash he says keep the change throws the cash at them takes the pants and walks out and they're left with zero inventory and he was like wow i did not see that end coming (laughs) but it's amazing how so many actors came and got their start from all that. Yeah. And not just on Nickelodeon, but also on other networks as well. But if we're going with classics, if we're going back to all that, you've got to go back to Clarissa Explains It All. Yes. <clears throat> Melissa Joan Hart. And she, this was in 1991. So you can get a feel of the fashion. So again, it was the high ponytail puffy scrunchy big hoop earrings um plastic bracelets plastic bracelets neon colors and she was the just the coolest hippest 
Mm, uh, would you say she was in high school? I would say junior, junior high, high to maybe first year of high school, maybe. She wasn't driving yet. No. And she had, you know, she had the annoying little brother. Um, she had, she lived on the second floor of the house and she had a window that had a ladder on the outside where her best friend, who was a boy, Sam, would climb up in the, to the window and they would hang out. And it was purely platonic. So it's very innocent. And he was a goofball. Uh, yes. And and whenever he would come to the show, you would hear the thud of the ladder against the open window. And then she would say, if it was okay for him to come in, she would say, oh, hi, Sam. And when you said the word Sam, there would be a guitar riff announcing his entrance. And he would come in. Which... If we could all in life have a musical intro when we would enter a room, that would be great. Yeah. And <clears throat> she also would talk straight to camera. Yes. Mm-hmm. To explain things. Mm-hmm. Because she's going to explain it all. She was going to explain it all and tell you. And there was a male version that came out later on that was called Adventures with Ned. I don't remember that at all. And it was about surviving elementary school it's a handbook and i think we were too old to watch that i think that it, it we were i was probably in middle school or high school at that point um <laughs> but i guess that is one of the number one nick jr or nick at night shows that fans have been asking for a reboot to have the main character ned come back to do help a guidebook for being in your 20s or 30s to kind of the because it taught you about like what do i do when i lose my textbooks what do i do when my best friend's mad at me or what you know things like that so it's great so I appreciated that they took what was good or successful about Clarissa Explains It All and they applied it to this sh- other show with a with a male lead but younger. There's also a show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I love that show. Adventures of Pete and Pete. Again, they're two brothers that just get on each other's nerves. And I related to that so much. <laughs> so they're like in the Midwest. I remember it looking very, very cold in a lot of the episodes. Lots of flannel. Older brother and younger brother. And they're both redheads, I believe. And I believe they had a sister as well. And one of the things I remember was that the little brother had a favorite cereal. And it was a fictional cereal that they had created just for the show. And it was like the president's cereal where the cereal were in the shape of the heads of the presidents of America and he liked to take the president's heads and shove them in his nostril so he could see how far he could shoot it out and I believe his favorite favorite president to shove up his nose because he could shoot it the farthest was shaped based on the shape of his head was Martin Van Buren. Yes. That's what I remember about that show. I just remember they would get into normal 
hijinks of brothers like Drake and Josh. But the Adventures of Pete and Pete was in 1989. So I was really little. <laughs> but I, I just remember I, I thought that the show, it, it, it really hit my funny bone. I was very tickled by that show. And I believe one of the brothers is in Home Alone. You're correct. The older brother is in Home Alone, and the younger brother is in Mighty Ducks. Which, again, if you Home made run. it, if you made it on a show in the late '80s to 1992, you probably got a film deal somewhere in there because you were in Orlando and next to Universal Studios. Yeah. So two other shows that were really, really early early on, Hey Dude and Salute Your Shorts. Do you remember those shows? Of course I do. Because I would go to summer camp. I went to camps. I remember Salute Your Shorts more than Hey Dude. But I think they were back to back. Like each, they were half hour, so it was an hour of content. So Salute Your Shorts was a summer camp and the storyline was based around characters who were the camp counselors yes. and the camp counselors were teenagers yes. so it was about their friendships their drama their dating romance kind of things and hey dude was a dude ranch so where you would go on vacation and ride horses and things like that and again it was about the employees of that ranch, which again were teenagers and their friendships and things like that. I should re-watch those shows because I was like a camp counselor and see how much was like, oh yeah, or no, that's, no, it's not even close. And when I say teen drama, it is n I am not talking 90210 River the modern day Riverdale. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about like they would show this show like at two in the afternoon on a Monday. It was made for kids. It was made for. It's so funny because I, when I was writing down the names of these shows and I wrote down Salute Your Shorts and Hey Dude, I was like I vividly remember it coming on and I would change the channel because. I felt it was too adult for me. I was like, this is not for me. This is teenagers. How mature of you, Heather? This, these are teenagers that are like, and this is a scripted show, folks. This is not reality TV. This is not below deck. This is, you know, there's a script. This no. Is, this is not real world. Like, they're talking about uh, liking the same girl and how are they going to have... How are these two guys going to still have a friendship, even though they still have a crush on the same girl? And, you know, it was very benign. But I was just like, oh, this is not for me. Like, they might kiss. I'm not, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> okay, so the other live action show I have written down here is Wienerville. Do you remember that show? I recall the title. I don't remember the content. That show to my memory, would be on early in the morning. And it was a variety show. It was on a stage. There was an audience. And the star of the show was this guy. His real name is Mark Wiener. That's his real last name. 
And the reason the show is called Wienerville is because he plays every character in this town that they have made a set for. What? So they would have like these sets made like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And there would be a hole in a, in a fence where he could fit his head. And on the fence, there was a body of a little character. So he would put his face in. And so it would be a big face and a tiny body. And he could manipulate the hands and the legs from behind the fence. What in the world is this? It's Wienerville. This was actually on TV? With a live studio audience who was loving it. And I'm pretty sure a pretty, pretty big staple of the show was someone would always get a pie in the face. I'm surprised it wasn't Gap. Too soon. Before it's time, perhaps. I don't know. I think one thing that we have to mention, the live studio audience, when a show would end, after the credits, it would say, with the Nickelodeon Studios filmed in front of a live studio audience in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. They, in the pull and the draw, to get as many children, teens, young adults who are vacationing in Florida to watch these shows and even to participate. So that brings us to the game shows. And we're talking... Double Dare, Figure It Out, Legends of the Hidden Temple, Guts, and then Global Guts. Double Dare was the very first one that came out in 1986. I will take the physical challenge. (laughs) I love Double Dare so much. And I was too young to be on Double Dare. But I know for a fact, Heather, that you applied. Yeah, I did did not get it. I did not get a call. The physical challenge, instead of answering trivia, was kind of like a family feud. Mm -hmm. Um, And the challenges, and then if you went to the final round with the obstacle course, which, by the way, this is all inside a soundstage, Mm -hmm. The obstacle course was amazing, and you had to get flags and hand it off to your partner, and then depending on how many flags you got, you got a certain number of prizes, and then there was a grand prize at the end, and it was based on time. But it was trivia, and if you couldn't answer the trivia, then you could say to the other team, I dare you to answer it, and then you would say double dare and then you could either attempt to answer the question or you took the physical challenge i saw an interview with people who worked on this show and they said it was a nightmare and being a person who was on the show wipeout i understand what a nightmare that must have been to set up the physical challenges to make sure it was safe and then to clean up afterwards to reset i mean it must have taken all day to shoot one show and that show heavy on the slime very yes and pies in the face and squirt guns everything was wet 
a lot of liquids, mm -hmm. a lot of food, a lot of uh, sticking your arms and things and tossing and uh, yeah. And I remember the physical when you did the physical challenge, you were wearing a bicycle helmet, knee pads, arm pads. You were wearing fingerless gloves, goggles. Were, yes. Yeah, yeah. But if I only would have been a, a few years older, I feel like I would have dominated that. <laughs> Which brings me to my next favorite physical challenge show was Guts. It was my dream and aspiration. If you would have asked me as a child, what do you want to be when you grow older? A, a Guts champion to climb and get a piece of the crag and run around the track holding my flag like that and that's I'm not kidding that's how I got the audition for Wipeout is they said why should we pick you and I told them about my dream and aspirations to be on Guts and how I never got the opportunity to be on Guts and I never got to go to space camp and I felt as though my argument was so compelling yet hilarious that they let me on the show. <laughs> I love Guts so much that they were in a, in a pool and they were surfing, but they were like kneeboarding with the paddles and the, with the wave machine. And then they had Nerf guns uh, with people throwing tennis balls at them. Um, they had a tricycle race. They had pole vaulting. And they had participants from different countries on that, this that show. That was Global Guts. So the first um, iteration of Guts was just, uh, they didn't necessarily say where, uh, I'm from Oklahoma or whatever like that. Um, I don't know why, probably just to, just to change things up. Uh, so when the season, when the show came back, they had renamed it Global Guts. And it was from children from all around the world. Which, how great. Kind of like the Olympics. Yeah, it's like a Junior Olympics. Mm -hmm. And at the end, depending on each challenge, if you got first, second, or third, you were awarded a certain amount of points. And then, even if you were way far behind, the final obstacle was the crag. And what was the crag? The crag was an indoor mountain that was sparkly, and, it, and you had a harness... And a rope, like a bungee cord, a safety cord. And there were explosions of glitter. There was... Uh, you had to climb the crag, Mount Crag, and get to the top. But you were on a certain course. And you had to hit buzzers and buttons on your way up. And if you missed it, you had to climb back down and hit that button. Oh. And if you got to the top, to the summit first, you won. And... When you won, you got a piece of the crag. A piece of the mountain to take home. Yeah, that was your trophy. And it was the crag, then it was the super crag, and then it became the super astro crag. I believe it was called the aggro crag. Well, that, well, yeah, because you got to go aggro. That's right. The super aggro crag. And... The energy of the live studio audience, the strobe lights, the glitter bombs, the the pressure cannons, it was amazing. 
and to this day, I I wish I could go. If I had a time machine, I would go back and like totally sneak my way onto that set. I would figure out a way to be on guts. Speaking of figure it out, that was another game show, and that was. Well, you had guests on the show mm-hmm. that had either invented something mm-hmm. or had done something. Community service or something. Or a like Guinness sold, Book of Records. sold the most lemonade for their Girl yes. Scout troop or something and like that. And so it was a guessing game of yes or no questions to a panel. Mm-hmm. And the panel was made up of Nick TV show star. And Summers was the host so not related to mark mark summers Summers, the legendary host of double dare and there was a a lady host summer sanders summer sanders who was an olympic swimming swimming athlete not related no not related at all because his last name was summers and her first name was summers it just but she was the host to figure it out Mm -hmm. and there was a head that had the words and based on the yes or no questions Mm -hmm. They would fill in. They would fill in, and then there were clues that came out on a train. Mm-hmm. And then certain, and then there was the secret word, and if a, a panel member said the secret word, they would get slimed. Again with a slime. Gross. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Legends of the Hidden Temple, temple is legendary. And again, you would have your best friend on the show. You were given a helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, um, mouth guards, and you would go through certain challenges. And you were like the, what was it, the snakes or the pythons, the blue barracudas. Yeah. And every round, I believe, teams got eliminated. And then at the end, you would have the temple run with the guards and with Olmec. Olmec was the the giant animatronic head um, that was, you know, supposedly carved out of stone. But he is, his eyes would move and light up and he would speak and he would give you clues and things like that. And his name was Olmec. When you would run through the temple... Mm-hmm. It was on a clock, and you had to find the medallions, mm-hmm. and then you had to put them together. You had to solve puzzles, all under pressure, before the temple guards came <sighs> and, and and took you away into the tombs. Oh yeah, and I remember. So the so it it was kind of like a haunted house in that you know things would move, things would jump out at you. You would fall through trap doors. And so there would be people dressed up as temple guards. And they would be dressed similar to whatever wall they were standing in front of. So they were almost invisible. And they would jump out at you. And I remember many times of kids just screaming in terror from being jumped out and grabbed by these temple guards. And oh... And, 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 the, and the actors who were the temple guards would always just feel so bad. You, they'd be, you, could, you couldn't hear them because they weren't mic'd up. They'd be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my job. I'm sorry. Are you okay? This is like, oh, God. But you, it was, one person would go through 
and they would get to a certain checkpoint. And then if they got caught by the temple guard, then the other partner would go through, through the part that had already been cleared to pick up where you left off. But from all the challenges, the previous challenges throughout the game show before the final round, you could collect medallions. And if a temple guard came and caught you and you had a medallion, you could trade the medallion to save your life yeah. so you could continue on with the temple. And if you made it through the temple and down that slide and through the gates, the joy of making it through. Amazing. An amazing show. And by the way, Legends of the Hidden Temple was so legendary that I learned on Star Wars Day this year that on Disney Plus there is going to be a show called The Temple Run and it is about the Jedi Trials and it is the same concept of Legends of the Hidden Temple except they are challenges and obstacle course becoming a Jedi. And it's it's a game show? Yes. Oh. The pure excitement that I have to watch this show, I don't know if it could, it'll live up to it. I don't know if it will. I'm I, I Legends of the Hidden Temple. There are still people who will dress up in the temple costumes mm -hmm. for Halloween with the gold helmet. Oh, it's a great it's a great group costume. Um, all you need is um, just go online and get the, the helmet. Spray paint it gold and, or yellow. And you can get a shirt um, that has one of the logos of one of the teams. And you get yourself some knee pads, elbow pads, fingerless gloves, and that's it. You're done. Everybody will know who you are. And if they don't know, you can tell them all about it. Or you could refer them to this episode. Number six of I'm not complaining. I'm just asking. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in today. And before we go, I would be remiss if we did not give a quick shout out to the Nick Jr. show, The Backyardigans, most especially Pablo.